But we've got hymn 448 on your pink sheet from the Lutheran hymnal. Brief life is here. Our portion is the hymn. We're on to stanza number three. But he whom now we trust in, Shall then be seen and known. But he whom now we trust in shall then be seen and known. So still making a distinction between now and then. Now by faith, uh, that is trust, faith, belief, they're all the same uh, thing. And so the one that we trust in right now, uh, then we're going to have by sight, uh, we'll know him face to face. And they that know and see him, and they that know and see him shall have him for their own. And they that know and see him shall have him for their own. While we are here, there are many who claim uh, our Jesus. <laughs> um, but uh, there are many hypocrites. There are many who uh, deny the truth. Uh, we alone will have him. Those who, who have known him truly by his word, by faith, uh, will have him for their own. We will, and, and he will claim us uh, to be his, his and, and declare. These are the ones that... Uh, uh, I have known to others you will say, I never, I never knew you. And there is David's fountain. And, and life in fullest glow. And there is David's fountain and life in fullest glow. All right, we've got a reference. Uh, We've kind of left Hebrews 13 behind. We're going back to the Old Testament. Uh, David's Fountain. Heard of that one? Nope. We know who David is. Zechariah chapter 13 says this. On that day... A fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. On that day I will banish the names of the idols from the land and they will be remembered no more. And it goes on uh, to speak about David. The fountain is going to be opened to the house of David. Hmm. What kind of fountain is that? Right, if we're talking about here and now, we're talking about baptism and the water of life uh, that washes away sin. Uh, there it speaks about how we receive that blessing of what it is. Um, that is, there we have the forgiveness of sins. There we are in the white robes. Um, the fullest life will there be a glow. And there the light is golden. And milk and honey flow. And 
And so it begins to describe what that uh, life will be like, a life of plenty, a life of seeing the Lord face to face, a life in which the uh, uh, fountain is life of there, we drink of it and, and uh, continue. You would say uh, uh, a similar analogy would be eating of the tree of life and living forever. Um, there we are partaking of it. So stanza number three of 448. Oops. But he whom now we trust in shall then be seen and known, and they that know and see him shall have him for their own. And there is David's fountain and life in fullest glow. And there the light is golden, and milk and honey flow. All right, we're in the Catechism. We're on the Lord's Prayer. We've taken a look at the first petition, Hallowed be thy name. We've looked at the second petition, Thy kingdom come. So the name and the kingdom now we deal with the third petition. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, like our hymn, it draws a connection between what the Lord wills. We know his will is being done in heaven, uh, and we ask that his will might be done here on earth. What does this mean? Repeat after me. The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. So, as we talk about his will, we're talking about what he wants, his desire. And so the Lord uh, desires for us uh, what kind of will does he have? Well, he's got a good will. He's got even a gracious will, one in which he is uh, wanting to forgive and to shower his blessings upon us, uh, to give us what we don't deserve. Um, it's not that somehow we have to wear him down. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've heard, well, you know, if we... We've, we've got someone sick, and if we can only get a whole bunch of people praying, then we can get God to do what we want. At least that's the way it sounds like to me, you know. Um, uh, does, is that what needs to happen? Or, or is it that uh, God, you know, well, if I pray every day for a year, finally God will... No. Um, God has a good will. He also has a gracious will, and he's putting that into effect, even, I'm going to say, beyond our full understanding, as we see things which from, from our perspective uh, uh, looks bad or evil or wrong, and yet uh, God, despite uh, having given us you know, human uh, uh, will in, in earthly matters, um, 
he's still working things out. He still turns everything uh, so that his believers are not uh, hurt or harmed. So what do we pray? We pray in this, that as God uh, in heaven, so we ask that it might be done among us, that we might do his will uh, here and, and be pleasing to him. Let's see what that is. So, the good and gracious will is done even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. So, the will of God. Often, people will say, well, what's the will of God? They would say, well, the Ten Commandments. And then they will seek to fulfill, keep these commandments. So, what does God want? Well, God wants me to go to church. Okay, so what am I going to do? Well, I am going to set about what needs to happen to make sure that, that I get to church. Um, and so we set up all of the things and we make it happen. Um, and so, well, maybe outwardly we are, we are here. <laughs> um, is that all God desires? A simple outward keeping of the commandments. Um, on the other hand, then the pastor comes and says, well, God wants people to go to church. So we're going to have a new program. It's going to be uh, Amazon gift cards. We're going to have a drawing every Sunday morning after church. And if you're here at church, boy, that'll draw them in. We get everybody here and then we... Uh, um, it's just a gimmick, but when we try to make these things happen, either from our own, I'm going to do this, or you know, from our gimmicks we move, what is really God's will being done? Not at all. In fact, Luther starts off with, how is God's will done? God's will is done... And it sure sounds crazy to us. What's it? When he breaks and hinders. God doesn't want, he's not simply asking us to step up and make these things happen and do whatever. What's he wanting us? He's wanting us to do that relying upon him. When he breaks and hinders. He wants us to do it out of thankfulness. He wants us to do it trusting in his word that that might motivate us, that, that he might lead us in those ways. And so how does God break and hinder these evil plans? Well, he does it by teaching us his word. He does it by teaching us to confess sins and receive forgiveness. 
Um, he doesn't do it by means of gimmicks. Uh, no, not at all. Um, yes, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature all have evil plans and purpose uh, in which they lead us away from God's word. But here, uh, well, Luther goes on, uh, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Next part, which do not want us, not want us. To, hallow to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. So, what is the devil in the world? Well, they're trying to mess up the first two petitions, dealing with the name of God and the kingdom of God. They don't want us to hear the word of God where God has placed his name. He does, they don't want us to have faith so that we're in the kingdom. The devil, the world, and our sinful nature says, fine, if you want to go to church, that's okay. I just don't want you uh, uh, trusting in Christ. Um, Oh, you want to go do lots of works? Go ahead. That's all right with me too, the devil says. Um, in fact, trust in those works to see if you can be saved. Oh, um, go ahead and go to church. Make yourself very proud of all that you're doing. He doesn't want us confessing our sins. That's where God is breaking and hindering our evil plan and purpose. What is God's plan? Well, that trusting in him, we would leave all things over to him. Well, well what, if, uh, uh, what if I'm a pastor and I end up getting sent to a small little church and the, and the church doesn't grow? What if I'm following God's word and teaching my children? My children go off and, and don't, don't continue it. What if we, we've got all these plans where we decide this is what we're going to make happen, but that we might give it over and trust in God, do what is right, and if it doesn't work out, well, then the Lord has, has worked his will. Um, he has well, taught us to put our own ideas down, our own way of thinking. Um, the Lord knows uh, that which is best. Next part. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. That's what the Lord desires. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious will. Karin ordered a I don't know, she ordered something from a Christian book company. Um, and they sent her a, a book later on. Um, and this, this book, uh, it kind of summarized the, the back cover, you know, said, well, you know, everybody wants to get closer to Jesus, but, you know, it's really hard and I feel like I'm getting further away and, it's, and this is so difficult. And so I wrote this book. 
and you know, these are the, this book will help you uh, to achieve your goal of being closer to Jesus, having that closer walk with Jesus. Hmm. How does that Christian walk work here for us? <laughs> it's the wrong book. Okay. Um, Liam, how's it? How's this Christian life? What did you say? I said, "What's it like being a Christian?" What? What's it like? Well, you know, I was down in the dumps and everything was rotten and then I became a Christian and now I go around happy and rejoicing and the sun shines and, you know. Uh, Stephen? <laughs> yeah. Very good. There's peaks, there's valleys, there's struggles. Um, Paul talks about a race. Paul talks about a race, and he says it's not a short, it's a long race. It's a race to the end. It's not one where you just sprint and get her done. Um, never finished. Never finished. You're right. What am, I, what am I doing with this? If it's like a race, you're right. It's not finished until the end. Um, what about what about my what about the devil? If you're not a Christian, you're gonna mess with him. If you are a Christian, he's gonna mess with you. He's gonna mess with you. Yeah. Um, does he ever stop? No. In a race, it's kind of like there's gonna be a lot of people gonna run, and then the devil jumps in the way and tries to take that thing out. Yes, exactly. When you say it, at the very least, if it's speed bumps, the devil says, <laughs> and at, at its worst, he just outright trips us and we fall on our faces. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's aggravating. That How's the simple nature? Just fighting against the Satan sinner. Do you ever feel like at some point you kind of go, yeah, I think I got that sinful nature. You know, I think I've strangled him to death. I think he's done. And then, right? Um, everything, you know, finally, I'm reading my Bible every day. And I, man, I've had it. I, I finally, I'm, I'm past about a month now. You know, sometimes um, things are going so well, forget about Christ. Other times, it's the struggles, it's the 
pitfalls. It's the things that happen, the catastrophes that, that make you doubt. You, know, you can be tempted with having too much and having too little. You can be tempted by prosperity or adversity. You can be, in this Christian life, you know, this is, in fact, we talk about the church militant. We're a militant church. Um, we've been put in the church, but it's going to be a fight. It's always going to be a fight. It's never going to be done. Sometimes the fight happens out there, and we're fighting against that which that. Other times we find that, that we're fighting within. Um, we're fighting those who have heresy within or are wanting to lead us astray, or, or we have uh, 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 moral dilemmas with the pastor or with the congregation, or you have, you know, what, what's, and you think, oh, I, it shouldn't be this way. Never. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's you yourself. It's your own inside battle. Um, and what do we ask? We ask that God's will might, might be done. In each one of these areas, he's not trying to lead us astray, um, but he has given us that means to get through it. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to take it away, um, but he's going to give us his word so that we can get through it. He's going to help us so that, uh, to give you just, just one example, often I see when someone soon comes to the faith, everything is exciting, everything is, you know, oh, it's a new service, and I've never been to that one, and I've read this in the word, and it's all kind of new. And then there comes a point at which there's the dry spell. And there's the point at which you go, and I just don't, I, there's, there's not an inkling of an of a excitement in me concerning the faith. Um, what's the Lord doing? Has he left me? I go, no, not at all. What's he doing? He's teaching you to trust in his word even when you don't feel like it. Even when you, he takes away the feelings, how will that be? Uh, Walther describes it as uh, you know, the first is kind of the feast of the word, and, and, it's, and it's tasty, and, and it's, it's uh, 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 sweet. And then God gives us the dry rye bread. <laughs> and uh, it still nourishes, but it, it teaches us something else. And so what is God's will? God's will is that he might keep us firm in his word and faith until we die. Finally, at the end, all things will go away. Uh, there will be nothing here left to trust in. All you'll have is God. But that's all that we will need. This militant church, this struggling church, uh, one in which it involves you know, a, a sinful man preaching to you, involves a sinful congregation, uh, and yet they come to hear God's word and, and all this is all his good and gracious will. Last part, this is his good and gracious will. Everyone, this is his good and gracious will. We need not doubt it. The Lord knows what he is doing, and he desires for us to be saved. And he says, this is the right way. This is the, what we ought to hold on to. This is what we ought to cling to. Um, he doesn't want to lead us uh, in, in those things which cannot save or, or those things which cannot strengthen uh, faith. Finally, and lastly, when we talk about the will of God and someone brings up the Ten Commandments, in part they're right. 
But how do you speak about that? What do you say? Um, of course God gave us the Ten Commandments. Um, and they are what we are to do and not do. But what does God desire? What is truly his will? Jane? That we recognize how sinful we are. First of all, concerning those Ten Commandments, his desire is that they might show us our sin. Um, I, because without that, we don't know that we need him. We don't know absolutely. What else? That's one. I usually go through one, two, three. One, that the Ten Commandments show us our sin. Two, what follows after it? Karen? Uh, the absolution comes after it, right. So you confess your sins. It's the gospel. What does he want? He wants us to trust in his son, not in ourselves. Absolutely. So he gives us the gospel. He gives us the good news and says, I will save you. My son has done it. And finally, third. You can do one and two, but Lutherans also say, yeah, you can stick the third on there. Well, there's the, the, the guide, the curve that we don't go beyond. If we, you know. Exactly. What is that? It's a life of thankfulness. We call it good works, of course, but what is it? It's doing a life of thankfulness. In other words, if you're going to talk about keeping the Ten Commandments, it's not just outward keeping. It is about faith desiring to please God. Um, the Lord doesn't just want it. He wants us to do it out of love for him that we don't covet our neighbor, out of love for him that we don't steal, out of love for him that we don't, uh, um, that we would fear and love God so that. Um, so yes, of course. And, uh, and, and in heaven, what is going on? There's perfect thankfulness and praise. Um, why do we come to hear his word? Out of thankfulness that he saved us. Even if we don't feel like it, um, that's all right. Questions on the third petition? All right, let me light the candles and we'll begin. Oh Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's from Matthew 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. 
But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor even shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This is God's word. Our hymn, Brief Life is Here, Our Portion, Our Pink Sheet, 448. Brief life is here our portion, brief sorrow, short-lived care. The life that knows no ending, the tearless life is there. Oh, happy retribution, short toil, eternal rest. For mortals and for sinners, a mansion with the blessed. And now we fight the battle, but there shall wear the crown of full and everlasting and passionless renown. And now we watch and struggle, and now we live in hope, and Zion in her anguish with Babylon must go. But he whom now we trust in shall then be seen and known, and they that know and see him shall have him for their own. And there is David's fountain and life in fullest glow. And there the light is golden and milk and honey flow. The morning shall awaken, and shadows shall decay, and each true-hearted serpent shall shine as does the day. There God our King and portion in fullness of His grace, 
shall we behold forever and worship face to face. O sweet and blessed country, the home of God's elect, O sweet and blessed country, that eager hearts expect. Jesus, in mercy, bring us to the dear land of rest, who art with God the Father and Spirit ever blessed. Amen. All right, Matthew 24. First of all, it begins with the abomination of desolation. And it cites prophet Daniel concerning this. What about abomination? What is an abomination? What is it? Yep, it's bad. How bad? <laughs> really bad. Um, if your dad says, your room doesn't look so good, yeah, it's probably messy. If he says, your room is an abomination. <laughs> so, that's what an abomination is. What is desolation? All right, Liam? Nope, it isn't. Hmm. Try again. No. Just barren. Um. Yeah. Mainly desolate would be uninhabited. Um. So I guess barren might work. Um. Hmm. If if something is an abomination. Uh, your room, it, it, it's unlivable. <laughs> and so an abomination which causes something to be desolate for life to flee it. Um, nobody can live there. Nothing can be there. Um, this abomination. What is it speaking of? Who in this one, the abomination of desolation, is about 168 B.C., where Antiochus Epiphanes comes in and overcomes, defeats Jerusalem, comes into the temple um, and sacrifices pigs upon the altar uh, that is there. Uh, the temple is destroyed. Um, it is an abomination to do that. It is beyond sacrifices to other idols, um, pigs are unclean, uh, you know, uh, the killing of the priests, ah, um, so much so then uh, it is desolate. Um, isn't the abomination that says people to do it? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Is, there, is, is the abomination that says people have to do it? Is it going to make people leave? No, is it the people yes, of Judea? Um, well, here's what's going on. 
when we get to Judea, this is the place where it is. And later he says, those in Judea are going to have to leave. Um, Jerusalem is in Judea, and Jesus is telling them ahead of time that something's going to happen like it happened back at Daniel's time. And so when he says, let the reader understand, he's saying, you remember that? That abomination of desolation? You remember what happened with that? It's going to happen again. And that's what he said. And so he's saying, if you're in this area, Judea, where Jerusalem and in Jerusalem is the temple, you want to get out. You want to flee. You want to leave that because this is not the place to be. What's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. Jesus is telling them ahead of time they didn't know it. The Romans are going to come. They're going to come and they're going to uh, circle the uh, city because they're going to take it over. At one point, though, the captain uh, realized that the emperor had died and he was recalled to go back to Rome in order that he might be made emperor, so he sends someone else. What happens is, is this gives people a, a heads up. They kind of go, oh, here he is, they're going to come. Oh, no, they're leaving. And Jesus told them ahead of time, when you see this kind of thing happening, get out of town. What happens is uh, Titus comes, um, circles the city uh, until the people are starving to death inside. Um, they are eating the leather off their belts. They are eating straw. Uh, Later, there is uh, reports of, of women cooking their children. There, is, there were over a million people in Jerusalem uh, at the time that this happens. And uh, the Romans completely decimate the city. Um, when they come in and they finally defeat the city, it, it doesn't even get any better. Um, the Romans come in and, and they heard reports that the Jews were very wealthy. And they said, um, we think, uh, we don't know where the gold is, we think the Jews swallowed it. So the Romans come in, killing the people inside, cutting them open and checking out their belly to see if they have any gold. It was terrible. Um, so that's what actually happens. Um, it's called the destruction of Jerusalem. It happens in 70 AD. Jesus was warning the church to get out of town. Those who were the church and believers actually did what he said. Um, they did. They saw these signs and said, we're getting out of here because God is bringing judgment to bear upon the Jewish nation because they have rejected Jesus. And they got out of town. Nevertheless, what are some things that he says? If you have your clothes back in town... Don't go back to get it. Just, just get out. Um, and so he's, he's giving them a, a, a picture. It's a, it's a symbol of the end. It teaches us about the, when Christ returns again, there'll be no time. Um, what are we to do? Before then, we're to flee to the church. That is, we're to hear God's word. We're to hold on to those uh, things uh, that the Lord has told us uh, already. What about this abomination of desolation, though? Um, 
we're not just talking about uh, um, uh, the housekeeper uh, quit to, forgot to clean the church, and so there's a little uh, trash laying around inside. No, this is a spiritual problem. What do you think is an abomination of death? What would be so abominable in the church, spiritually speaking? With, what does God desire with the word? Yeah, that we would believe in his son. What would happen? Yeah, that would reject the word? Maybe they set up another God. Set up another God within the Christian church? Or teach about the false, a falsehood, set up a false teaching, something that would despise Christ. The greatest thing, I mean, that God wants for us is to believe in Christ. And someone could come in and said, no, we're going to teach salvation by works. That's what happened. That's what happened in the church. And Luther came in and said, no, it's faith in Jesus Christ and tried to restore the church. He wanted to reform it. What did they say? You're wrong. In fact, their response was to declare anathema, let the person be damned, anathema. Anathemize anyone who teaches salvation by faith alone. That's what we teach. That's what the Bible teaches. Um, that's why we refer to the Pope as the Antichrist. Why? Because he holds this up. Despite he's in the church, he still uses, still talks about Jesus, and yet this teaching about works and, and atoning for your own sins by means of satisfaction, whatever, goes against Christ. Um, he still has baptism in the church, and then yet he holds up other things, you know, about praying to the saints. And the, uh, um, there's an abomination of going on. What has gone on? Well, true believers have left and have said, no, we're not going to hold to that. We're not going to allow that. Um, Christ doesn't dwell in a, a church that uh, rejects uh, the Son. And so the Lord here says that those days are going to be shortened. Um, what's he going to do? Um, he's going to make it so that there is still the true teaching that goes forth. Um, and so uh, he has provided a, a, a means, a way out. Uh, there are those who are going to uh, uh, set up false Christ, false uh, ways of salvation. Uh, we're going to see that as well, not just in, in the Roman church. Um, you see it as well with, um, uh, with the Mormon church. Uh, what happens? They got another book. They've got another uh, testament. They've got another way of salvation. They've got golden tablets that are going to... You know, no, our Lord said he's the fulfillment. He's the end. Um, the New Testament is not uh, 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 something changed from the old. It's all telling about how Christ fulfilled the old. Um, there's not an, a new uh, thing. So false Christ or whatever. No, he says you don't run out into the desert. You don't go out looking for the Christ here or there. When he comes back, you'll know it. Um, it'll be like from the east to the west. 
And so, uh, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Our Jesus will return. Everything has been fulfilled. I know there have been those that they, they take a look at the Bible and they, they look at certain prophecies and they go, well, this happened when Russia did this, and this happened when this, and I go, no, no, no. The Old Testament has been fulfilled, and it's all been fulfilled in Christ. Everything that needs to happen has happened. Christ could come back during this very minute. He could come back tonight. He could come back It's all already been fulfilled. We're expecting his return. Uh, there's not four more things that need to happen before then. And so when we talk about his return, his return can be at any time. On the back of the bulletin, uh, it speaks about millennialism. In the uh, scriptures, it talks about a millennium. That would be a period of a thousand years. What about this thousand years, this millennium? Well, uh, a millennium is 10 times 10 times 10. It's the perfection. Uh, we believe that when the scriptures and these books, this term millennium, uh, comes from the apocalyptic books, they're always using picture language to describe things. Uh, just like our hymn where it says, in heaven, milk and honey will flow. It doesn't literally mean there will be rivers of honey. Um, it means that there is abundance and there is sweetness and there is uh, plenty. So also when it says a thousand years, we're not talking about a literal thousand years. In fact, uh, since Christ has completed our salvation, it's been 2019 years, we've been living in the millennium. The millennium is right now. We are in the last time this is the completeness of it. I don't know how long this millennium is going to last in literal minutes and years and days, but we're living in it. There are some who have said, well, there's going to be a, a, a pre-millennial. Christ will come back, and then there'll be a thousand-year reign. And I go, no, when Christ comes back, this world is undone. Everything is taken away, and the Lord uh, raises all the dead, takes believers to heaven, uh, and unbelievers to hell. There's not going to be another thousand years after Christ returns. That's the last day is the last day. At the last day, what? There's, I'm sorry, I just can't hear. Trumpet, 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 trumpet. There's going to be trumpets? Yeah. It said the angel will blow the trumpet and this whole world will be over. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't hear. But I, you know what? I'm getting hearing aids Let at the no end of this earth. month. But <laughs> until then... Letting the devil roam the earth. Um, the devil's roaming the earth right now. Um, it's not in the future. It's happening. We're in that time frame. Now, it says that, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to get even worse at the very end. But go ahead. Um, he's Roman right now. It, it's, you know, is it going to get worse? Well, I don't know. Um, maybe it's worse already right now. Earth won't be hell. Oh, is that what he asked? Earth will be either A, destroyed, or B, purified. Correct. But earth is not hell. Hell is the place where, where right. there is no relationship between those who are 
Correct. And, in fact, there's no relationship between themselves. Even themselves, They're yeah. Just there by themselves. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, the other teaching is that there is a, uh, uh, a thousand year reign. In other words, Christ will uh, uh, give kind of a period of perfection here on earth. And things will get great for a thousand years, and then it'll come uh, at the end, a post-millennial kind of thing, where things get better and better, and finally you got a thousand-year reign, and then he comes back. That's not scriptural either. Um, instead, we, we believe that we are living in that last time. Um, and we know that, that, that when he returns, that will be uh, the end. And so the literal terminology for that is amillennial um, reign. Uh, that we've been in, as I say, for a little over 2,000 years. Yeah, I know. It's been a few years that they had that entire book series, The Left Behind, yeah. which was really just based on false theology. Right. The, the left behind kind of thing is that Christ comes back twice. He comes back once and raptures all the believers away, and then the unbelievers have to stay here for another 1,000 years, and then there's a... I, I'm sorry, that's just you know, this idea that somehow the believers are all going to be gone. Um, there is a uh, parable in which Jesus is teaching about the end, in which he talks about there'll be a difference between believers and unbelievers, and he talks about two will be at the well, one will be taken, and one won't. Um, it's not talking about a rapture. It's simply talking about the distinction between there will be some that will be saved and some will not. Um, and when Christ returns, that's, that's the end. What are we to do? Uh, we are to flee from the mountains, uh, Liam wanted to know. We're in, well, Judea. We're the ones that need to flee to where the food is. We need to flee where the true word is being taught. The sacraments are rightly administered. We need to hold on to those things which have been given. Um, anything else that we hold on to you know, will be destroyed, will be taken away. Sure, we, take, we use food, we use houses, we use whatever the Lord has provided but we don't cling to them as if they are the, the end treasure. Um, if the Lord gives, fine. If the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is also a warning to us for those who hold to the falsehood. And so at the end, what happened? Those who clung to, we would say, the outward temple worship at 70 A.D., who held to the temple, the sacrifice, the priesthood, the stuff that was there, and yet rejected Christ. The whole reason that that was all there. What happens? They are like a carcass, it says here, and a dead, rotting carcass. They're not alive. They don't have Christ in them. And so what happens? Well, the eagles or the vultures, uh, they come and feed upon it. Um, that is what happens at the end. And so not only do you have the symbolism of the Romans with their staff that has the eagle on the top of it, but uh, uh, you have them coming to pretty well mop up the Jewish faith. That is where it had rejected Christ. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, a Jew was describing about how he went to the uh, uh, temple and talked about it. He said, well, yeah, there's that, the wailing wall where, where the Jews pray, and he said, yeah, I mumbled some prayers and got kicked out. Uh, but, you know, even he recognized, he said, you know, that's not really the temple. In fact, it's not even a wall of the temple. He said, it's kind of like the uh, retaining wall for the outside, and then 
the temple and everything else is farther away. And so he says, you know, how badly has it been destroyed? Well, you know, there's not even a wall that you can pray at. Um, and so uh, that is where we say, listen, that's why the Lord took it away, uh, so that it could not be used. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Questions? Leon? For it at Jerusalem? Want to get married? Um, you can go to the county cork and just let the judge declare you married. You don't need a religious person at all. That's how they do it. <laughs> you don't know about that, huh? Yep. Yep, you can go to the judge. He'll take care of it. Questions? All right, get out your sheet for our prayers. That is true. And they're still married. And they're still married in God's eyes. Absolutely. You are correct. You are correct. Because marriage is not uniquely given to the church. Um, Christians do, Liam, want to uh, have their married blessed by the word of God in prayer. That is, if you're a Christian, you want to live your marriage according to that word, don't you? So that's why you'd want to hear what God's word says about it. Luke? What now? Will they do my marriage? I would. Okay. Think I'd be all right? Yeah, we'll write it down. We'll do <laughs> You know what? You're right. You can count on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm free on Friday. If, um, if you, Friday, 7 o'clock? Yeah, yeah. If you don't have someone, you might want to pick someone out. Um, <laughs> thanks, Karen. That was good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Ten Commandments, he'll help me. Thanks, Luke. How about the Apostles' Creed? Stephen, how about Lord's Prayer? Karen? Baptism? <laughs> Leon? Confession, absolution? Pastor? Get that one? And sacrament of the altar, save you. Thank you. Please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. 
you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the word of absolution, the words of absolution, we are assured reconciled to God as if we heard a voice the Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, 
they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. We approach the sacrament in order to receive the treasure of Christ's body and blood, through and in which we obtain the remission of sins. This sacrament is given as daily food and nourishment, by which faith may repair and recover its strength against attack and temptation. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we implore you, show your mercy under your humble servants that we who put no trust in our own merits may not be dealt with after the severity of your judgment, but according to your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We ask, dear Lord, that we might not uh, be led astray by false teachings and false Christs. Uh, we ask, dear Lord, that we would flee from uh, this world and its allurements, uh, that we might escape the judgment that is to come. And by holding to your word in true faith to Christ, uh, that we might receive that eternal life uh, which you have promised. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.